Hello, this is Derek Mankey with 40 Guard Labs. I'm joined once again uh, with my esteemed colleague, Amar Lakani. Welcome, Amar. How are you doing? I am great. I'm wonderful. Living the dream, as uh, we would say. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> uh, hey, it's it's great to, to, to hear from you again, man. Um, I, I know we've been in this uh, virtual teleworkforce force for a while now. It's been a couple months going, uh, but you know, obviously, there's been a lot of developments. We've been talking about a lot of different things, from from uh, you know telework threats to uh, to the threat intelligence plays. We're uh, seeing shifts in threat landscapes, and and one of those things that we touched on was uh, was ransomware. Now, you know. Ransomware isn't anything new, as we know, right? And I just, I just wanted to talk about that today. This is something that's evolved for, you know, decades actually. Um, and I, I often tell about this story. A lot of people think that ransomware is only like a decade old threat, right? But um, you know, if you think about it, I, I think like the, you know, like 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 the like the Trojan horse. The idea of using ransom to to extort people has really existed since the dawn of the human race, I guess, right? Yeah, I, li I like that analogy. I actually hadn't uh, heard of that before. But yeah, the original Trojan horse with the Greeks and and uh, the Trojans, right? I mean, uh, I think that was the first ransomware, like getting getting into your system, uh, not not expecting what to happen, and then destroying everything around that environment. So so you're you're absolutely right. You, you know, yeah. so right before we were talking and we were talking about ransomware, um, I know I was telling you that ransomware as a you know as a researcher to me hasn't really been that exciting, right? Because it's it's kind of normal from an analysis standpoint on what it does. It doesn't do anything exciting like hack a webcam or anything like that. But from an impact standpoint, especially with our customers, it's probably like the most uh, scariest thing for them because it stops their business. It stops them from making money. It stops them from going forward. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, uh, especially now, right? Like, I mean, that, that's kind of something I want to talk about too, right? Because if we look at the traditional ransomware, um, you know, the first version of it documented uh, was officially in 1989. It was known as the PC Cyborg virus. This ran on uh, on, on DOS, <laughs> the good old days of DOS, and uh, you know, just encrypted some some. It went through your directories and trees, encrypted some files, right? And it de it demanded a uh, a payment through snail mail through through a PO a PO box, right? Um, I think the solution was sent on a three and a half inch floppy disk back. So not a big spread, not a big impact back then, right? But obviously, you know, what, what, one of the biggest threats that we started this, to see was at the end of, uh, you know, closer to about 2010 was fake antivirus software. That, that was a big deal back then. There's a lot of revenue from a cybercrime perspective. So these were like, your, you know, the pop-up saying your, your PC's been infected with 100 different pieces of malware. Pay us and, we'll, and we will clean your, your system, right? But the thing about that is it wasn't really too damaging, right? It was fake. It was a scam. People caught on to it. And that's when we really started to see the first versions of ransomware uh, take off. But the first versions were very, um, you know, they, uh, they, they didn't use strong um, cryptogra uh, you know, uh, public private key uh, cryptography on them, right? So there were decoders that, that could be created for it. It wasn't that big of a threat. But now today, the encryption is quite strong. And you're right, maybe it's not too interesting from a research perspective. They're doing the same thing often. But because the encryption is really strong, they can be, it's hard to reverse the and it can be quite damaging, right? Right. I, I think we even as researchers have to be careful when we find ransomware and we figure out how to reverse that. 
And granted, it's a lot tougher now, right? It's not just uh, you know a simple password. They're using PGP. They're using uh, symmetric and asymmetric encryption. They're using all these different techniques that are basically like unless you know what the password is, unless you know what the key is, uh, or unless it's uh, just very weak and dumb, right? You're not going to be able to normally guess or brute force that anymore. You, you have to you have to really have the knowledge for that. And you know when we do get lucky and we do reverse it. We're like, hey, should we release this like as a blog? Because, you know, we have this small opportunity where we can help people that have, got, that have had infections with that ransomware, you know, get them up to date, get them, get their files back. But when we release that, we know the attackers are right away going to update that ransomware, change, change their techniques and probably make it a lot more difficult than it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's uh, you know, the, the first... Uh, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong on this, but I think the, the first, uh, well, sophisticated mal mal uh, ransomware, sorry, was I think in around 2005, 2006, called GP Code. And this was ransomware that used, uh, so you talked about the, the public-private key management. It used a key management system, meaning that every single computer it infected had a different key, right? Meaning there was no universal way to, to to decrypt this. But the problem back then is they didn't have a vehicle really to distribute it, so it wasn't widespread. Nowadays we have vehicles to distribute that, i.e., you know. So you know we're coming up on the the anniversary um, next week of of WannaCry, right? And WannaCry, obviously one of the most uh, well known and prolific ransomware cases because it was extremely damaging. Why? Because it had the vehicle, right? It was uh, piggybacking on the Eternal Blue exploit. Uh, well, vulnerability it was exploiting that, and we saw wide-scale damage with that. And you know, Eternal Blue using you know capitalizing on RDP was a big deal. And we talked about this before, right? Uh, you know, like um, it, we, we we just pulled up some statistics from our Fortigard Labs threat intel data, and through our application control technology, you know, we often talk about the threat exploits, malware, and worms, but just looking at app control, um, the the most popular uh, usage right now is RDP. I mean, it, it actually dwarfs the usage of some of these other things that when you look at other, uh, other you know, remote desktop interactions and things like this. Uh, and that, if uh, you know, um, Eternal Blue obviously was, was a big player in that. So it just goes to show um, how some of these vehicles can really uh, can, can spread this ransomware and really increase the damage of these attacks, right? So I think those are the sorts of things we really have to look at as, as researchers as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So let's not forget, like, the increase in REP has really happened in the last few months, obviously, as everyone's been working from home. I know, uh, you know, we've done a few different webinars where uh, people have asked us questions. And one of the top questions that I've gotten is, can ransomware spread through REP? And absolutely, yes, it can. Obviously, there's caveats to that answer. It means there's there's other things happening. There's uh, attackers with sophistication. So it isn't like, hey, I turn on RDP, I got ransomware. But with attacks and vulnerabilities like Eternal Blue, absolutely, you know, you know, attackers can use that as a launching point point uh, to get onto an RDP system, uh, and then. Once they're in the RDP system, they're in your network. They're essentially internal, and then they can spread ransomware all around. And it's pretty, it's pretty scary because we've we're seeing just a bunch of people put in RDP, uh, obviously to get around uh, or to help out with remote workforces and everything else going on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's like any sort of outbreak, right? Um, when that starts happening, if you have a widespread, um, you know, a, a mechanism where where uh, where the ransomware can propagate very quickly. You're dealing with uh, 
with, with massive amount of, you know, potentially massive amount of, of damage. So the risk is very high with that, right? Uh, obviously, we saw that with Lanacrex. Uh, thankfully, it had a kill switch built in, and and uh, you know that was you know the spread was effectively uh, mitigated after a short period of time, relatively short period of time. But it's it's uh, it's it's a big it's a, it's a big issue that we have to look at. And one of the biggest issues with WannaCry was that a lot of these RDP ports we talked about this before, Amar, were uh, were actually sitting um, publicly addressable, right? So they weren't going through VPNs or private IP space. These were just wide open sitting uh, uh, on public IP space, which which was a big issue back then, and especially especially now, right? Looking at this virtual workforce that we're in, like the the teleworkforce, as we call it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know when I when I I've spoken to a lot of uh, you know a lot of different customers, and I've asked them like, why do you have RDP open on the internet? And no, no one really, no good IT department has RDP open on the internet on purpose. Obviously, you know they put in a system, probably probably used it to solve a problem pretty fast, forgot about it. Maybe it was a different part of the organization that did like some sort of shadow IT that put in like a RDP server. So so that's what we're, I think we're seeing a lot of like a lot of RDP uh, that's out there as well. But on top of that, I think you mentioned something really, really good is that ransomware is usually like piggybacked on a different type of attack, some sort of vulnerability, whether it's a, a SMB vulnerability or, you know, some other type of vulnerability that someone's like basically maybe even a rootkit uh, or a remote access Trojan, they're, they've infected your system. And once they've infected your system, they were like, what can I do, right? Do I want to like mess around with your webcam? Do I want to mess around with your browser history, put a key logger in there, or should I put ransomware in there? A lot of times it's all of the above, right? They're putting in everything in there as well. So ransomware is like like a disease, but it's being carried for, for another vehicle a lot of times. Yeah, and if you, if you can contain or effectively stop that vehicle, that traffic, uh, you're, you're really reducing that risk tremendously, right? I mean, reducing that spread. It's like anything. It's like we often compare physical viruses. We talked about this before, like uh, as an example with COVID, um, you know, the physical distancing, trying to stop the spread. It's the same analogies if you look at things like even forest fires, right? Trying to properly cut swaths and segment and stop that traffic. It reduces the damage and, and ultimately reduces your risk too. And I, I think that's that's really important to, to understand. I mean, everyone knows ransomware is a big threat now. So it really comes down to understanding the, the risk of that. And when it comes to security implementation strategy controls, that things like cyber hygiene can really go a long way to to reduce um, uh, to, to reduce the risk and and uh, the massive amount of damages that can be incurred, right? Yeah, you know, you know I, I would tell you, you definitely hit on something that's passionate to me is, and we've spoken about this plenty of times on plenty of different webinars is cyber hygiene and how do you get cyber hygiene? How do you get good cyber hygiene? It's education. There's no way around it. Is you have to go through and learn about what makes uh, makes a good system a secure system. And you know, one of one of the things I'm really proud of is what Fortinet has done is we we've made all our training free available to like anyone out there. It used to always be like free to some extent to to like uh, you know our partners and of course employees. But now anyone can go to training.fortinet.com and even like the our first programs like NSE one and two, they're great for learning about cyber hygiene. I've actually like had my my sisters and my mom actually like sit through that and they're like, oh wow, oh cool, like. Like I guess when the IRS calls me up or or Microsoft calls me up on the phone, it's not really them, right? And, and absolutely, it was it's a great learning experience. 
And then, yeah. of course, you know, for the technical people out there, it goes well above beyond that. We talk about a web exploits. We talk about uh, Metasploit and attacks and how uh, hackers like, uh, you know, can, you know, basically attack you and how we can use AI to defend you. So so a lot of cool stuff out there. And it's free. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The NEC program is great. It's one one way we're working to bridge the gap to educate. We have hundreds of thousands of certifications that have been awarded. So that's it's fantastic. And it's also um, Cyber Awareness Month, as you know, we're, we're a partner with uh, Interpol. Um, they, they have a uh, wash your cyber hands. Uh, so it's a cyber hygiene based theme that this month, which I think is excellent. So, you know, that's something people should always also look out for. We're obviously working close to, uh, with, with, with them as well as a, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a partner, as we, as we have, as we try to work on trying to raise awareness and education on these threats as we follow the threat landscape. Um, it's also interesting to point out that, you know, we talked about these sort of quote unquote vanilla flavors where we see the typical ransomware that's encrypting data. Obviously that can be damaging. People can back up their data, their strategies in place, but it should also be you know, pointed out to, to people that there are different flavors of ransomware. And I expect to see more in the future. I've talked about targeted ransom cases before in the past, but we also have flavors we've seen before that do things like actually corrupt systems, right? So master boot record infectors. We've seen IoT-based ones that actually will effectively brick devices if they're not paid ransom, like turning into, um, you know, turning devices into paperweights. Um, those sorts of things scare me. And uh, you know, we haven't seen widespread attacks of those yet, but there's there's really a variety of tools in the attacker's um, um, toolkit. Yeah, there is. In fact, we used to see ransomware basically, you, you know, destroy files. And then it got more advanced, like dis destroying shadow volumes so you can recover, uh, you know, messing around with the master boot record so you can really boot up. But it, they were still small compared to some of the more destructive ones. And the destructive ones sometimes will, will destroy, like, some of your network or some of your systems. And they'll then they'll say, like, listen, we can prove we can destroy your system. Sometimes you can't even recover from those. They're, they're gone, especially on the IoT side. And then, then they put out the ransom, like, "Hey, you better pay us, or we're, we're already in your systems, and we'll we'll destroy the rest." Right? And it's a, it's actually kind of getting pretty scary on the amount of damage that they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, uh, as usual, we could talk about this for uh, <laughs> for days, and, and we will. We we do we do every day, I think. So, thanks for joining me again. Um, again, this is Derek Mank of Forty Guard Labs bringing you another episode uh this time on the topic of ransomware stay safe everyone hopefully and uh keep uh keep your cyber hygiene up when it comes to these ransomware threats take care everyone all right bye